0: Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. I have a few things in this bag I wanted to show you to teach you a lesson about language. So, first of all, I have a bag. Does anybody know what's in this bag? Cheese. No, not quite cheese. Anyone know what this is? Rice. When rice is growing in a field, what do we call it? Rice. And when it's in a bag, what do we call it? Rice. And when you cook it and we put it on a plate, what do you call it? Rice. Rice. We have one word for rice, whether it's in the field or in the bag or on our plates, we call it rice. But did you know that in other parts of the world, like in Asia, where rice is a really big deal and a huge part of life, they have many words for rice. When it's growing in the field, there's one word. And when it's in a bag, there's a second word. And when it's on the plate, there's a third word. And you might think to yourself, well, that's silly. Why would you have so many words for rice when one word works just fine? Well, bacon is a good example. Why? Who likes bacon? Raise your hand if you like bacon. In some of the countries where they have three words for rice, they don't eat bacon because there's some people who believe that it's not okay to eat bacon. And so, guess how many words they have for bacon and pigs and pork? One. When the pig is in the field, they call it a pig. When it's butchered and turned into meat, they call it pork. And when they turn the pork into all the delicious kinds of meat that we like, chops and loin and ribs and sausage and bacon, they call it pig. They only call it pig over and over. That's all they have is one word. But we know that there's lots of different words for all the different kinds of pork products, right? When it's in the field, it's a pig. When we cut up the meat, it's pork, but then we have all these different kinds and all these specific words to help us better understand exactly what we mean. You see, language is heavily influenced by your culture. If it's important to you, you probably have more words for it. And if it's not as important to you, then you might not have so many words. And sometimes that causes us problems. Today, in our sermon text, we have a word in Greek that we don't have in English. We have no word for it. And so we try our best and we say, ah, blessed. It means blessed. Well, really, it means more than that. The Greek word is makarios. And trying to explain to you what makarios means is kind of like trying to explain bacon to somebody who has no idea what bacon is. They only know about pigs. That could be kind of a hard thing. And so today I'm going to do my best to explain to you all what makarios really means. It means you're more than blessed. It's the feeling that you and I have in our hearts when we know that Jesus is our Savior, that he has forgiven all of our sins, and that we are at peace with God forever. So we're going to say a prayer and ask God to help us listen super carefully today so we can better learn what makarios means. Dear Jesus, we thank you for coming to this world to be our savior from sin. We ask that today you would help us to better understand what it means to be makarios, that we are more than than blessed. Thank you for being our savior. In your name we pray, amen. The portion of God's word that we will focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Now Thomas, called Didymus, And yet, have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of our God. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our risen Redeemer. Amen. So language is a funny thing. We've already had one picture of language being a funny thing. I have another for you. So here's a book. The book is on... The ambo. This is called an ambo, if you didn't know that. The book is on the ambo. The book is in the ambo. So why is it that you all rode here in cars, but some people ride on buses? No one rides on top of the bus. They ride inside of the bus. And yet, that's how we talk. No one says, I rode in the bus. They say, I rode on the bus. That's the word we use. Sometimes on can mean inside. Sometimes on can mean on the top. And this can be a very challenging thing for people learning English to grasp. Because, you see, if you're going to learn a language, it's more than just learning the words. At some point, yes, you have to learn what words mean, Right? If you've ever studied a foreign language, you've done vocabulary. You've had maybe flashcards with the new word on one side and then the English equivalent on the other side. Is that important? Yes. But not only do you need to learn what a, a word means in order to learn a new language, you need to learn all the different things that it can mean and when it's the proper time to use it in those different ways. Add to that cultural specificity like our rice and bacon illustration and you have all sorts of challenges when learning a new language or when communicating a concept from one language to another. And as I mentioned in the children's devotion, today we have one such challenge. And it really is like trying to explain bacon in all its glory to someone who only knows the word pig. You got to tell them, where, where on the pig does this come from? Well, it's the belly and then it's cured and usually smoked and then we we cut it to various thicknesses and there's all these wonderful ways to cook it and some people like it really crispy and some people like it a little chewy yet and it's delicious. Maybe one of the most delicious things on on earth. How do you explain that to someone who doesn't know anything other than the word pig? Well, you have to use many, many words, right? Right? Today in our text, we have a word like that, makarios. And in order for you to understand what it means, one word, blessed, doesn't really cut it because we don't have a word for makarios. And so the goal for today is to help you understand what makarios means so that you can more fully understand what Easter means. Every time I come across this account, my heart goes out to Thomas, and it's not just because I have a son named Thomas. I really do feel for him. We're not told why he was gone, but I do find it interesting. The ten are all locked in this room, afraid. Thomas isn't there. We're not told it's because he wasn't afraid, but he's somewhere else, and he doesn't get to see Jesus. Last week, we heard Jesus appear to his disciples with words of peace not once but twice, he shows them the place where the nails held him to the cross, the place where his side was, was pierced after he died. They get to inspect the wounds. They get to see the risen Jesus with their own eyes and talk to him and touch him. Thomas didn't have that blessing. And so you kind of feel for him. And maybe you can even understand why he would have thought these guys were crazy. You're, you're dreaming, There's no way he's alive. Thomas didn't have peace. For that week, between the time when they said, we have seen the Lord, and when Thomas actually saw the Lord, he was not at peace. He was doubting. But then, of course, we have this beautiful account where Jesus does come again. And and he shows Thomas everything he wanted, right? Right? He says, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Literally, Jesus says to him, Do not be unbelieving, but rather believing. So, what exactly was it that Thomas was not believing that now he is believing? Well, it was the words. The disciples had said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And that's what Thomas did not believe. He did not believe that they had seen the Lord and therefore he did not believe that Jesus was alive. But now Thomas sees. Thomas touches. Thomas believes. And he confesses with his mouth this beautiful confession, right? My Lord and my God. We have seen the Lord, the disciples, confess with their mouths. And now that Thomas has seen him, he confesses to my Lord, my master, my God. But now that Thomas has peace, Jesus instructs. And he says something quite interesting. He says to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those, Macarius are those who have not seen And yet, have believed. You see, here's the irony in all this. You remember last week when Jesus said peace the second time, and then he said to his disciples, As the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. And with what was he sending them? Well, the Holy Spirit would go along, right? And was going to work through the words that they shared as they pointed out the Old Testament prophecies. That pointed to the servant of the Lord, like Isaiah 53, where we see the the, the servant of the Lord who would be crucified and then who would rise from the dead. Other places, like Psalm 16, where God promised that the the Messiah would would rise from the dead, they're going to go out with the promises of God fulfilled in the Christ who was crucified and risen, and they're going to say, We have seen the Lord. And so who's going to be one of those people saying, we have seen the Lord? It's the guy who doubted those very words. It's Thomas. Thomas now, by the grace of God, has also seen the Lord. He has seen the crucified but now risen Lord and he's going to go out into the world and he's going to share this message with anyone who will listen. The promises of God fulfilled in Jesus and I've seen him with my own eyes. I touched the places where the nails pierced him and where the spear pierced him. And Jesus says to Thomas, and Thomas, people you tell are gonna believe what you didn't believe. As you say, I have seen the Lord. Many will believe what you believe doubted macarius are those who have not seen and yet have believed so is there anything wrong with saying blessed well no but it doesn't really give us the full picture and it could be misunderstood it kind of sounds like the people who thomas tells the word of god and who believe it will be superior to thomas right Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It almost sounds like Jesus is saying, the people who believe your words are going to be superior to you. Well, that's not true. That's not true. Christians are not superior to each other. We're all equally worthy of of hell. Equally forgiven by Jesus. Something else is happening here. One way to describe the word makarios is to think about your state in life, your place in the world, and be content with it. There was a time in my life when I was this close to being able to dunk, but I never quite got there. I could get the rim, and I think one time I dunked a tennis ball, but I never got to the big ball and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, but I never got there, and now we all know I never will. But at some point, you come to grips with who you are, and at some point, you stop wishing that you were not someone other than who you are, and you're just content with your place in life. If you've ever felt that way, then you've felt Macarius. It's a contentment. It's a blessedness, it's fortunate, happy, joyful, peaceful, all these things rolled into one. You know your place in life and you're good with it. You're thankful for it. We don't really have one word that sums that all up. But think about it in terms of the gospel. What is your place in God's kingdom and why do you have the place that you have in God's kingdom? Well, think back to Abraham. When he was still called Abram, he doubted the Lord, kind of like Thomas did. He doubted that the Lord could actually do what he said he was going to do. Lord, what can you give me since you have not given me any children? And he kind of wanted to say, as you have promised. Because God had already promised him that he would have children, but he didn't at that point. And God promised him again, you will have a son, a son coming from your own body and your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. By God's grace and by God's grace alone, Abram believed and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. Why was Abram a son of God? holy and dearly loved. It wasn't because he doubted or didn't doubt. It wasn't because he did the right things or didn't do the right things. It's because God worked faith in his heart and through that faith credited righteousness to him. Abram's standing in God's kingdom was secure because of the faith God worked in his heart. And so you could say Abram was Makarios. Why are you where you are in God's kingdom? Praise the Lord, it's not because of what you've done or who you are. Your place in God's kingdom has nothing to do with your doubts. It has nothing to do with your failures as humans. It has nothing to do with the sins that you've committed in your own homes over the last week. It has nothing to do with who you are and that's the best news in the world, because if it did have anything to do with me and who I am, with you and who you are, we would find ourselves outside of the kingdom of God, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth for all eternity, but that's not where we find ourselves. What is our place in God's kingdom? As our first lesson said, it is righteous through faith in God's promises. As our second lesson said, it is sons and daughters of God. Our standing in God's kingdom is assured. It's certain. You don't have to try to be someone else. God has made you everything you need to be to have a a place in his kingdom for the rest of your life on this earth and forever in heaven. And how does that make you feel? It makes you feel makarios. More than Blessed. Why did Thomas get to see? When he went out with the word of God, he would not have Jesus by him in the sense that he could show the marks to the people listening. Jesus was with him, but not like that. So why did Thomas get to see, and why do you and I not get to see? God's grace and God's grace alone. God in his infinite wisdom chose to use people who had seen Jesus alive to go and tell the world what they had seen. The words of God fulfilled in this one God-man. And what do you have? The same message... Received by the people who heard those words, I have seen the Lord from Thomas's mouth the very first time. You have it from the Apostle John. And you just listen to it today. What did John say at the end of this reading? Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, in his name. What does it mean to have life in his name? It means to be Makarios, to be confident in your standing in God's kingdom now and forever. God's blessings to you all as you leave here today, Macarios. Amen.